Well, as you might have noticed uh, this morning, uh, today is all about the glory of God. All about the glory of God. And we see this right here in the text to where it says, Father, glorify your name in verse 28. Then a voice came from heaven. <laughs> Jesus is praying to the Father and the Father answers, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. We're actually entering into uh, the section of the Bible that has the longest, uh, longest monologue of Jesus, and the longest teaching to his disciples. And so this is, it begins here at the end of uh, chapter 12, and it goes all the way through cha uh, John chapter 17. And, and through John chapter 17, uh, especially there, but all throughout it sprinkled this theme, uh, the, the glory of God, the glory of God. And I say that, and it falls on deaf ears, does it not? I say, oh, we're living for the, the, the glory of God. And that we just chalk that up to some religious idea that we don't necessarily understand. It's, some, it's something that just kind of falls on deaf ears and we don't really um, get or grasp what it's, actually, what it's actually saying. And so today, we're going to kind of have an intro to the glory of God. Uh, it's going to be mentioned so much over the past, over the next uh, four chapters that I don't think it's really important for us to go through every line by line um, section of what the glory of God is, but it will be an intro today, all right? And uh, so we're going to talk about what is the glory of God, where do you find the glory of God in the Bible, where do you find it, and how do you grasp it? And so why should you listen today? If you're already just like, man, this isn't for me, like uh, I, I, they're using insider language, this glory language, I don't, really under, I don't really understand, why should you listen? Because everything, everything in your life, every hardship, every struggle, the, your desire to be able to cope with suffering better, uh, your idea, to, your idea to, um, to, of how to get through the mundaneness of some of the more boring aspects of your work, you're longing to want to do something that matters in your life. Uh, all of this, all of this can be uh, culminated and received by identifying what the glory of God is. What is the glory of God? Where do you find it? How do you grasp it? So let's go. Let's, uh, let's look into this very, very briefly, okay? And so I think the easiest way to understand or to identify what the glory of God is, is to look at the words in the Old Testament for the, the word glory and the word in the New Testament for the word glory and define those two things. And I think we'll have a comprehensive understanding of what the Bible means whenever it talks about living for the glory of God or obtaining the glory of God or um, walking by the glory of God. And so the first, uh, first word in Hebrew is the Hebrew word kabod, kabod. All right, and this word kabod, it means supreme importance. And so whenever you think about the glory of God, it's saying that God is supremely important. He's supremely important. The other word is the Greek word, uh, which is uh, doxa, where we get the word do doxology, doxology. And so this means majesty, splendor, brightness, brilliance, and beauty. All right, so those two, those two words help us understand what does it mean for us to live for the glory of God? It's for God to be the supremely important, most important thing in your life. 
The, the most important thing, the non-negotiable thing, the, the thing that does not take a back seat in your life, but is always at the forefront of your mind. It's always as frontlet, frontlets between your eyes. It's the lens of which you see all, all of life. The most important thing. And it also has to be the most, imbe- most beautiful thing. And so what's the glory of God? It's the, most, uh, it's the thing that we are to pursue because it's the most beautiful thing in the world and the most important thing in the world. And isn't it interesting that within our Christian culture, our Christian culture here in North Texas, whenever I talk, talk with people that are kind of on, on the fringes of Christianity to where uh, they, they would say confessionally, I believe, I believe in Jesus or I'm following, uh, I, I am a Christian, I'm, I'm, I'm someone that doesn't identify as a Muslim, doesn't identify necessarily as an atheist, or doesn't identify as, as, as uh, a Buddhist or something like that, but I'm Christian I'm Christian because I'm not anything else. What is interesting, whenever I talk to people kind of on the fringes, they say, well, you know what? I'm I'm a Christian, yes, but my relationship with God right now is a little strained. I'm a little bored with God. God and I aren't on speaking terms right now. I can't, and I'm a Christian, but I don't remember the last time I prayed. I don't remember the last time I read my Bible. I don't remember the last time I joined with a body of believers and worshiped and sang and cried. I don't, remember, I don't remember that. And isn't it interesting that whenever what Jesus is calling us to right here, to, for God the Father to glorify his name and for his followers to glorify his name as well, that our context for this is almost the exact opposite. I'm bored with God. I'm bored with God. He seems distant. We're not on, we're not on speaking terms right now. What is, that, what is that communicating? Is that communicating the centrality of the glory of God in our lives? No, it's treating God as an appetizer, right? Maybe not even an appetizer, a, a garnish, a garnish in the meal of life, a, a, a vitamin, not the main course, not the main course. And so let me just ask you straight up right now, look at me. Is, is the glory of God the most important thing in your life? Is your relationship with God the most important thing in your life? Um, because if it's not, if it's on the fringes, if it's a garnish, if it's just a vitamin, it's just a supplement that you have to take. It's like, oh, you know, I'm feeling down. Uh, I feel like I'm not having a good week. I, I need to take another uh, Jesus supplement by reading a couple of verses, memorizing Jeremiah 29, 11, memorizing John 3, 16. That gives me a little relig- religious jolt to where I feel like I'm okay now. I feel like I can go back into the mundaneness or the, the waves of life sometimes, I like to describe it, to where you're just kind of carried along in life. You want to live for the glory of God? Is this at the center, is this at the center of your, your life? Or do you want to continually go through life? Listen to me. You want to continually go through life feeling like you're just being carried along by the waves. That you're not really walking with God in a dynamic way to where he is partnered with you and you experience his power living through your life, but you're just kind of going through the motions, caught up in a wave and, and going through life and being like, man, where did these last three months go? Where did the last year go? Where did this go? Where, uh, how are you living your life? How are you living your life? Do you, want, do you want meaning? Do you want purpose? Do you want excitement? Do you want joy? Like, do you want peace? Do you want faithfulness? Do you want to be good? Do you want to be filled with righteousness? Pursue the glory of God. Pursue the glory of God. And so look, this, what this means at the, at, at the bare minimum is that Christ has to be at the center of everything that you do. He has to be the primary importance. That means your work. 
How are you living for the glory of God whenever you go, go to your job? Whenever you're engaging with your coworkers? Uh, when it, whenever, you're, whenever you're thinking about the quality of your work, are you only a hard worker whenever the boss is around? Or, or are, you, are you working really, really hard for the audience of one? Uh, it, it has to mean that Christ has to be at the center of your relationships as well. Uh, are, are there certain people that are, are not, uh, not necessarily valuable to you? Uh, people that you're just like, oh, man, I look around this room, and it's like, I want to talk to them afterwards, them afterwards, but uh, not really interested in, oh, I don't really want to waste my time. Or think about that at work. Are there some people that you've just written off because, you know what, <laughs> you know, they don't really add anything to me. Are you viewing your relationships that way? Are you living, uh, viewing your relationships through the glory of God? I'm saying, man, I'm called to um, love one another as God has loved, as God has loved me. I'm, I'm called to love my neighbor as myself. What's your morning routine look like? What's your evening routine look like? What's your time management like? Is your time management centered around the glory of God? What's your internet habits like? What's your phone habits like? Uh, I, I, got, I got a notification this week. Uh, I guess I get it every God and his grace. I don't know how to change it because I'm technologically not like too savvy. But God in his grace every morning, every Sunday morning at about 9.12 about 9.12, is that y'all too? Like 9.12, you get that weekly report, weekly report of this is how much you've been on your phone. And uh, it's hard for me not to be like, how? Like, how, where, where did that, when was, I do, when was I doing that? That seems impossible. And then I think back, to, I was like, oh, no, that actually is plausible. Man, where do those six hours go a day? Those four hours go a day. What is it? What's your number? Let's, let's pull out. Our, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That'd be intense, right? Um, we'll put it up on the screen right here. Like, uh, let's see who. Let's see who's the winner. Who's the winner of the the weekly screen time reports? All right. But uh, the glory of God. All right, is your life? Is your life being centered on like even your phone habits, your eating habits, your entertainment habits, everything? Uh, the Bible says whether you eat or drink, down to eating and drinking, all the way down to that. The thing that we have to do to be, a, to, to be alive is that done for the glory of God. That, you know, what is that saying? That's me saying everything. Everything is God the primary, most important thing. And, and, and if you say, man, I, I want it to be, or I'm striving for it, man, you, you're on your way. You're on your way. But if you're just like, man, I still... I still don't get it. God feels like that vitamin. God feels like that garnish. God feels like something that maybe I could add to my life and it might give me some benefit. Then I want to warn you. I want to warn you. You might not be living for the glory of God, even if you're a confessional believer, even if you say that you follow Christ. What do you desire? So that's the first thing is um, uh, kabod is the primary most important. But let's look at the beauty aspect, the doxa, the doxology uh, the understanding of glory, praise, honor, splendor, beauty, majesty. Do you see God as the most primarily beautiful thing in your life? Is he the primary pursuit? Not because you have to, but because you want to. Listen, this is very important. You want to live for the, you want to live for the glory of God. Do you want to live for his glory? Uh, evaluate your heart right now. This is a test, a test of your heart. Do you feel like this is something that I have to do in order for me and God to be okay? Or is it something in your heart that you say, I get to do, I want to do, I want to serve him. 
I want to look for opportunities to love him. I want to love my neighbor. I want to read my Bible I, because I want to connect with God. Uh, how you spend your time, listen, how you spend your time doesn't just show you what's important. It shows you what you seem, deem as valuable, what is beautiful. Uh, what's, what's the most beautiful thing in your life? What's the most beautiful thing, most valuable thing in your life? I promise you right now, you are pursuing it. You are pursuing it. What is it? Is it this next job? I just got to get through this so I can get this next job or this next promotion. Is it just I got to get through this, uh, this diaper phase in my, in my parenting so that, I could, so that I can get out of two sets of diapers and maybe just into one set of diapers? What, what is it? What, is, what are you pursuing? What's valuable? What's beautiful? Because right now you are uh, giving your, your life's gravity is revolving around that thing. What is it for you? Is it God? Is it his word? Do you love him? Do you see him as beautiful and, and valuable? Here's another test. What do you do whenever you have a bad week? Whenever you have a bad week, what do you do? Do you say, do you say in your heart, oh, Romans 8.1, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's therefore no condemnation. And Lord, I had a bad week. I fell into sin, some sins I thought I would never fall into again. I had, a bad, I had a bad week. I fell into some sin. But I know that you cast all my sin as far as the east is, is from the west on the cross. I know, I know that there is no condemnation for, the, for, for me because Jesus took all my condemnation in my place. Is that what you preach to yourself? Or do you say, oh, you know what? I need to get back on. I need to get back on that religious horse, you know. I need to. I, you know what I need to do? I, I, I need to set aside 15 minutes every day, and I need to read my Bible and I need to pray. And I, and and are you seeing if that subjectively makes your week better the next week? I'm, now I'm talking to confessional Christians in the room. Now and now if you're in this if you're in this room, you're just like you know what? I don't know actually where I stand with Jesus. First of all, praise God that you're here. Thank you, thank you for honoring us with your presence. I'm, I'm, I'm truly honored that, that people that uh, don't know where they stand with Jesus would come into, to like risk, walk into a gym. It's like, I just worked out here. I was, <laughs> you know, I was playing basketball the other day and I was like, oh, I didn't know that uh, they also have drapes here that they, they, that they put up and then they sing songs and they hear a guy yell and stuff like that. You know, like that's, that's really, I'm, I'm really honored that you would come and listen. But right now, I want you to listen to how I'm talking to confessional, confessional believers. Confessional believers. Because are you, confessional believer, subjectively using some Bible disciplines as a form of therapy to try to get feeling better throughout the week? Or do you say, there's no condemnation. God is beautiful to me. And I, yes, I, yes, I've slid, slid this way, but God knew it. God knew it, and he wanted to bring me to a point of deeper repentance. There's my God. He's beautiful. He's valuable. He's important. I'm going after him again. Not, can I use the Bible as something that's useful to me? Can I use the Bible as something that, is, that, that, that helps me feel therapeutically okay to where I can live with myself? What is it for you? What is it for you? I, I want to remind you again of something that we see all throughout the Gospel of John. Is that the Pharisees had the Bible memorized. And a lot of them went to hell. The Pharisees had the entire Bible memorized. How many, how many verses? Let's put that up on the screen too. All right. Did you all fill out that survey of how many Bible verses you have? Okay, no. All right. But listen. How crucial, how crucial is that? So if you use the Bible... 
If you use prayer, if you use community to make you subjectively feel like I'm getting a little bit better day by day by day, do you really, are you really living for his glory? Do you really want to capture his heart? Do you really want to pursue him? Or is he useful? Listen to me. Is he useful to you? Are you treating God as beautiful or are you treating God as useful? What is it in your heart? Do you just want Bible facts because you feel like Bible facts will make you feel superior in small group? You want just Bible facts to make you feel superior in your marriage or uh, to your kids? Why, do you, why, do you, why are you pursuing the Word of God? There's another test, right? Why do we read? Why do we pursue? Why do we look at it? Why do we love it? Or do we? Is it useful or beautiful? Is it the pre- supreme importance in your life? Or is it just something, just something that your culture has taught you to do? And so you might be saying, okay, this is, this is hard. What is this requiring of me? Like if, I, if I'm to live for the glory of God, what does this require of me? Uh, I'll say this very, very directly. This calls for joyful, unconditional obedience. Joyful, unconditional obedience. You want to live for the glory of God? Joyfully and unconditionally, no conditions, place everything out the side. Nothing's negotiable. Obedience to God. You say, man, this this is tough. This is tough. But don't you want to get to his heart? Uh, Don't you want to get to his heart? Don't you want to pursue him? You say, how do I get to his heart? Uh, How do I know God? How do I I understand his character? Uh, Obviously through his word. Through his word. And you see, Cody, you just said that the Pharisees had it memorized. And they, they were separated from God forever and ever. Uh, So what are you telling me to do? I'm saying, see it as the very words of God whispering in your ear. I love you. Trust me. Come to me. Is that how you view the Bible? Listen to me. Listen to me. Your view of the Bible, your view of the Bible will be directly linked to your intimacy with the Lord. Your view of, are you constantly looking at the Bible and saying like, ah, oh, man. Well, this is one of those times where the, the Galileans were just stupid, right? Like this is one of those times where they were just kind of backwoods. Peter was really showing some of his uh, um, the Galilean traits right here. It, this, wasn't, this wasn't super sharp. This, uh, surely people at the turn of the millennium back from B.C. to A.D., maybe they were, surely they were dumb. Surely they were dumb. And we can't really trust the Bible as the infallible and errant word of God. We can't really, can't really do that, right? Uh, if, if that is, listen, if that is your view to where you're constantly trying to pick it apart and be like, oh man, I, I want my hermeneutics to be right. And I want to make sure that my apologetics and how I deal with this, right? Are, what, what's your view of the Bible? I'm not saying, hey, listen, I think there's a place for that. I think there's a place for that. But day in, day out, your daily diet, the main course of your life in connection with God. Do you pursue the word of God as if this is the voice of my maker, my friend, my master, my savior? He is speaking to me dynamically. Do you, do you view the word that way? Or are you, are you trying to figure out, man, where are the dinosaurs in this thing? Where, like, where, where are they at? How, uh, how, do, how do I work in the flood and my modern worldview? How do do I work in the Tower of Babel and and Sodom and Gomorrah? How do I work out the book of Genesis in my modern worldview? Is that all you're doing? Is that your view of Christianity? Is that what you're saying, confessional believer? Pursue God. Pursue God in his word. He's speaking to you. 
He's preserved it for you, friends. He's preserved it for you to speak to you in every single generation. Praise be to God for his word. What's your view of it? What's your view of it? Well, let's connect it to the text right here. Uh, What happened after God spoke from heaven? Verse 29. And the crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. You want a quick test? Whenever you read the word, do you hear the clarity of God, your maker, your master, your friend, your lover, speaking to you? Or do you hear white noise? Do you hear thunder? Are you more confused by it than you are um, entranced by it and drawn in by it? What is it for you? Is it... it Is it the same way that this crowd, whenever they heard God speak from from heaven, it was just, oh, that was just just thunder. That was just thunder. Is the word of God white noise to you? Isn't that scary? Isn't that scary? And and you say, Cody, what's our our hope? Like, is there good news? Like, there's great news? Is there good news in this thing? Like, surely there's some some good news. I I am the person. I am the person that feels like I read the Bible. I'm just so lost. It it is thunder. It is white noise. It is is just a a big cloud of confusion. I feel like I'm in a fog every time I open up the pages, and I don't know know what to do. Well, uh, earlier I was making fun of Jeremiah 29, 11. I repent from that. It's a great verse. Memorize it, please. but uh, don't use it as your catch-all for everything in the Christian life. Don't use it as a, as a little jolt, a, a little B12 shot or anything like that. Um, read it in context because in context, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Now, you know Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Do you know what verse 12 says? Do you know what th- verse 13 says? Do you know what verse 14 says? Let me read it to you. In the context of saying, man, I feel like I'm in this thunder. I'm, I feel like I'm in this fog. I feel like I'm, I can't hear and receive the word of God. Verse 12 of Jeremiah 29, the next verse. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And look what he says. I will hear you. Come to me. And God, our maker, says, I will hear you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Verse 13. And verse 14 says, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. How do you, how do you run, run to God? Look, pray and beg God. Beg God. Pray to him and say, God, will you hear me? Will you let me hear you? Lord, I don't know how to seek you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But you said, Lord, you said in your word, whenever I seek you with all my heart, I will be found by you. I will be found by you. Listen, I'm your pastor. I'm your pastor. And my, my fear and my call, fear and call at the same time in balance says, run to this. Run to this. Confessional Christian, run to this. Seek God, beg God for you to seek him with all that you are, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And what does he do? What does he, whenever you do that, you will get the glimpse of the glory of God, the glory of God, and he will rightly order all of your loves in proper, proper order. You won't, you won't overvalue your work. You won't overwork anymore. You won't overrest anymore, which happens a lot in our culture. 
You won't overrest. You won't overwork. You won't. You'll have the proper view set, the proper view set of how you need to spend your leisure time, of how you need to organize your time. Why? Because at the centerpiece of who you are, you're saying, I'm living for an audience of one. Down to my eating and drinking, I'm living for the glory of God. Is, is that what you can say? And if you say, no, I can't say that, I hear the thunder. I hear the thunder every time a preacher gets up there, whenever the songs are read. I'm just in a cloud. I'm, I'm in a way being carried on in life. I'm not in control whatsoever. I don't know who's in control. I feel like I'm adrift at sea. Pursue God with all that you are. Get on your knees and beg him to work and to move. And everything, everything that we see here will fall into place. You say, okay, Cody, I got the definition. Supremely important and supremely beautiful. But where do I find it? Like, how, like what, what jolts up my heart? You say, love God. How? How can I love God? You just saying it this isn't going to help me. You just decreeing it isn't going to make my heart melt away. Where do I find it? Let's look at verse 27. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. Uh, 28, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. He's basically saying this is the summary of what I've always done, and I'm about to do it even more. You know what this is saying right here? You know what this is saying? Down in this, down in this verse, down in this chapter, down to verse 32, it says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And he said this to show what kind of death that he was going to die. What the Bible says is the supreme display of the glory of God. The supreme display of the glory of God is Jesus on the cross. And did you notice here something that's really interesting? Jesus, whenever he thinks about his death on the cross, what does he do? He says, I'm troubled. Now is my soul troubled. Now this is a, a glimpse of what happens later on in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's almost the exact same thing. It's like God gave him a quick vision of what he was going to experience on the cross. And you might be thinking to yourself, why is Jesus so afraid of dying? Uh, Stephanie and I just went to a funeral. Uh, her grandmother passed away uh, last week, and so we spent time with, with family. Keep on praying for us. Keep on praying for uh, Steve Migrant, um, uh, who is my father-in-law, and are just really grieving the loss of his mother. And, and uh, death is never natural. You know that whenever you go to funerals. You're like, what I'm feeling right here should not be so. This morning should not be so. Is that what Jesus is doing here? Is he just mourning? Is he just mourning the, the, the fact that loss of life is about to happen? Is that, is that what's going on? Uh, John Huss, you know this guy? Uh, he's uh, born in the 13th century. Born in the 13th century was kind of a prelude to the Reformation. It was a, a big hero of Martin Luther. He was a, um, a Croatian uh, the, theologian. And so he had a um, he, had a, uh, he was Catholic, obviously, because everyone was Catholic back in those days, but he was leading a reformation, and he was really causing a charge to uh, sola scriptura. And, uh, by, say, you're saved by grace alone, through Christ alone, by faith alone. And he was, he was kind of laying down the foundation of this. And, and because of some of his teachings against the Catholic Church, uh, they said, you have to recant or we're going to kill you. And John Huss, 
famously um, said, I cannot recant. Even if you offered me a, uh, a synagogue of gold, I would not recant. My conscience is bound up in the glory of God. And you know how he died? They burned him at the stake. They tied up his hands and they set the thing ablaze. And it said, for miles you could hear him singing hymns until he took his last, last breath. How could John Huss view his death in such a glorious, joyful way? And, and Jesus right here, he's, he's troubled by it. He's staggered by it. What's, what's going on here? What are we to understand about Jesus' death? Well, let me start by asking you a question. What's the worst thing that could happen to us here on earth? Probably something popped up in your mind right now. What's the worst thing? What would be absolutely devastating to you right now? I know to all the parents in this room, it would be to, to lose a child. Yeah, that would be a hard one. Um, I know some of you have gone through that. And so I want to be really, really sensitive in this next part. Um, but can you imagine just the loss of a child? Um, to have love stripped away from who you are. And it might even be worse uh, if I can even dare say it, to have love ripped away from you in a covenant relationship with a spouse or something, and, that, um, and you're devoted to it, and they say, I never want anything to do with you again. I, you know, these two things, like, I want to move on because it's so, it's so um, gripping. But uh, those are the worst things that could ever happen here, here in this life. And so why is, why is Jesus staggering Right here, uh, in Matthew 27, verse 46, it says, My God, my God, this is Jesus on the cross. Why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me? Do you know what, you know what he's saying there? Do you know why he's staggering here? What Jesus received on the cross is he got the separation from God that you and I, because of our sin, ultimately deserved. You say, uh, how long was he on the cross? Six hours? That's not, not, not that long. He was separated from God for six hours. No, you're not getting it. If you think that wasn't that much, you're not getting it. What Jesus did on the cross, what he experienced on the cross, is he had eternal separation from God. Imagine, imagine a relationship between a father and a daughter. And the daughter is, leaves him in this life. And you say, oh, what could, be, what could be worse than that? How could that be? How could anything be worse than that? Well, imagine a perfect love for all of eternity between God the Father and God the Son. And for that to be stripped away and separated uh, not just stripped away and separated, but what Jesus was experiencing on the cross is he was under the ocean of God's judgment. The ocean of God's judgment. Uh, you see, the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And what Jesus experienced on that cross was every good and perfect, everything stripped away. He was experiencing hell on the cross. Absolute hell, absolute separation from God forever and ever. And it even said that darkness filled the earth. Now, this wasn't a solar eclipse. Give me a break. The longest solar eclipse that's ever, a total solar eclipse is like seven minutes. It said for three hours he experienced darkness on the cross as if God himself could not bear to look anymore and the whole earth went dark. And he experienced the judgment, the wrath, the hell that you and I, you and I accured because of our sin. 
And that's what he drank in. He saw a glimpse of it and it caused him to stagger. It caused him to stagger. And that's what we see right here. That's what we see right here. In verse 31, it says, Now the judgment of this world, uh, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of the world be cast out. What did Jesus do on that cross? He drank in your judgment. He drank in your judgment so that you and I don't have to be judged. Uh, where do you see the glory of God? When the most beautiful being that's ever existed in the history of history leaves his glory in heaven, the most important place and the most beautiful place, down to go live and be in the midst of a poor people in a town called Nazareth, a know-nothing town called Nazareth, and then live a perfect life and then say, I will willingly drink the hell of all those that believe. I will willingly take the separation that every, every single person in this room that bears the name of Christ deserves to receive, and then I will give them everything that I have earned in their place. I will give them everything. What's the ultimate beauty? What's the ultimate glory of God? Is seeing Jesus on the cross for you and I. That's the glory. How do you get a, a grasp of it? Look at Christ 10,000 times. Look at him over and over and over and over again until you're overcome with, uh, with a life that says he's the most important thing. Nothing else matters. Pilot training doesn't matter. The, the glory of God matters. My job doesn't matter. The glory of God matters. The, the people around me, his mission, his purpose, his beauty, his importance, that's the most important thing. Now, he gives us all um, different stewardships. Not all of you are going to be do what I do. And, that, and that's great. That's by God's design. Some of you are going to fly F-16s. Some of you all are going to fly F-35s. Some of you all are going to not fly, okay? <laughs> Let's just say that out loud. Some of you are never going to fly, you know? Um, but God has given us all, all a stewardship to live for the glory of God where he has us. We're to live for the glory of God in our sphere of influence right now. This is where the glory of God is found. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, you see what kind of love that is? He said, I joyfully go to this cross. Joy that was set before him, which is you, endured the cross, despising the shame, and was seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The throne of God. And so you say, Cody, all right, that's where I, that's where I found it. That's where I see it. Now, how do I grasp it? What do I do? Well, that's why I give you this right here. Whenever you look to Christ on that cross, for a regenerate Christian, what it does is it melts their heart away and says, oh man, he's supremely beautiful and he's supremely important. And right now, look at me. Right now, culturally, we need a detox. Amen, right? Aren't you sick and tired of this amazing tool? I don't have my phone. An amazing tool of your phone mastering you? Aren't you sick and tired of like, ah, oh, just 25 more scrolls through TikTok? That's it. I'm just going to do 25. I'm just going to do, I'm just gonna do uh, 20. I'm going to give myself 30 minutes, and it might turn into an infinity. All right? Aren't you, aren't you exhausted by the tools that God has given us for his glory to master you. So we need a detox. We need a detox from what right now is negotiable 
in your walk with God? What, what right now, it, whenever you evaluate your life and you say, okay, how do I live for God right now? Uh, when do I pursue him through his word? When do I pursue him with his, community, with his community? When do I pursue him through prayer? When do I pursue him? Pursue him? How do I pursue him on Sundays in corporate worship with a group of people all going in the same direction to be a gospel-centered disciple-making family? Uh, evaluate your life. What, what do you say, well, you know, I got work, and I got work early, and, you know, I got to sleep, and I love my sleep, and, you know, uh, well, that's my snack time, and you can't take away my snack time, and, and uh, you know, this is whenever I get on my phone, and this is whenever I um, do this thing over here. What is it? What is it? We need a detox. We need a detox. I'm calling you right now. And this is rare for Redeemer Church. Members are like, what are we doing? Like, what? like we got some action steps? This is kind of cool. All right, cool. Um, action steps today. Before you leave here, evaluate. When am I going to com- connect with God? When am I going to pray? Pull it Put it on a calendar. And if you don't have a calendar, start a calendar <laughs> and, and, uh, as a tool to allow you not to be tossed to and fro by this life. Take back your life, all right? The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, one of his attributes is self-control. You need discipline. You need discipline to get into the person and in in work of God. You need discipline for devotion to God. You do. You do. Now, self-control is different than, um, than uh, discipline. But listen, create a discipline habit of this is whenever I'm meeting with God. Uh, and if you say, Cody, you're asking too much. Listen, isn't that a test? That this thing and this thing and this thing is what my life really revolves around. It's not God. It's my work. It's not God. It's this relationship. It's not what, what, it, what needs to be on the chopping block. Detox from it. Separate yourself from it. Gather a community around you. Like if you, if the worst thing that you could do with this is you could write this down, put it in your Bible, and the next time you look at it, you look at it next week when you're like, oh, I was wondering where that was. The best thing you could do with this is write it down and then go to a group of people and say, preferably your accountability group or your grow group, depending on if you're a member or not, and say, this, this is how I'm going to live for the glory of God. This is the disciplines that I'm going to show. Call me. Hold me accountable to it. Text me during this time. Push me. Push me into the presence of my loving Savior who loved me and died for me. Push me into the presence of the one that says, then... You will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Pursue him. Pursue the glory of God and everything in your life will fall into place. He wants the life that you really want for yourself. Let's pray.